interviewing the leading private equity executives and unlocking the secrets of success. Welcome to the Private Equity Podcast with Alex Rawlings. Welcome back to the Raw Selection Private Equity Podcast, interviewing the leading private equity executives and unlocking their secrets to success. Joining us today is a familiar voice of Nevin Raj, COO and co-founder at Grata. Welcome and thank you very much for sharing your insights once again. Alex, thanks for having me on the show. So for those who don't know Nevin, you've got the opportunity to go back, listen to his other podcast, and we'll stick that in the show notes. We do have a particular poignant topic that Nevin's jumping on based on data of what they've done previously, and that is the recession. So it's going to be a bit of a negative one, but with a positive twist, I'm sure, of what we can do here. So with a highly discussed impending recession, what is happening in private equity? Alex, that's the million-dollar question on everyone's mind. We've seen the a lot of articles and a lot of noise about the doomsday in VC and in tech. Everyone looks at their personal portfolios. Growth stocks are down 40 to 80, 90%. But it's interesting to see what's going to happen in private equity because it's important to know that private equity does not behave the same as public markets. There are a lot of forces that are similar around supply and demand and valuations, but private equity is its own separate beast, so to speak. I think the best data point to look back on is to look back on historical years, the dot-com bubble, actually more recently, the housing crisis back from 2007 to 2009. And what we saw there was a decline in deals. We saw 47% decrease in middle market deals from those 2007 highs. And then we saw a slow but sure recovery. Interestingly enough, returns were a lot less impacted in private equity than they were in public markets. And what we're seeing right now, what's happening today, when we do that same comparison, we looked at some data in Grata. We looked at it month over month from January 2021 up till today, which is the end of May 2022. And what we're seeing is about a 30% decrease in middle market deals. So not as stark as that 47%, really only 30%. We're seeing lower middle market hold up pretty strong. What's interesting is that we're benchmarking to 2021. And according to RPC, uh, the quote was, even if there's a 20% drop off in deal volume this year, it's still going to be the second strongest year PE would have ever had on record. That sounds uh, sounds pretty good. I like the positivity spin there. But yeah, interesting. Uh, certainly very interesting and very talked about at the moment. And if you didn't know there's a recession coming, then uh, where on earth have you uh, have you been? So looking forward then, obviously the, the second million dollar question, I suppose, is, what are your predictions for 2022 and beyond? Obviously, nobody can pinpoint exactly when we're, when this is all going to hit. Yeah, I like to turn, when answering this question, I like to turn back to Econ 101 and look at supply and demand and look at the two forces. And let's actually, let's just start with the demand for deals. So how many people, firms are out there? Are they going to be doing deals? Are they hungry for deals? And the first one we look at, first data point, it's actually just dry powder. That's simply how much of committed, uninvested capital is out there in the market for private equity and private market deals. And right now we're at record highs of dry powder. Everyone knows this. It's been on the rise the last 10 years. Back in 2007, we had 1.1 trillion of dry powder. Today, there's 3.4 trillion. So that's over 3x, a whopping 2.3 trillion more 
waiting to be poured into private markets, there's clearly going to be a demand for deals because PE firms don't make money by holding cash. You have to invest that capital. So that's a lot of uh, certainly dry powder ready to uh, to certainly deploy. And what's your take on kind of interest rates and how that's going to affect private equity? Yeah, as you know, the the predominant strategy in private equity is the leverage buyout, the LBO, and that is highly dependent on interest rates, which is part of the strategy. But what we looked at that is we actually tried to challenge that to see how dependent are LBO returns on interest rates. And one of our partners, GF Data, has a lot of data all the way back to 2007. And what we looked at are two different data points. One was equity contributions as a percent of total enterprise value. That's basically saying how levered are private equity firms in their deals. Prior to 2007, this was sub 43%. So anywhere from 35 to call it 43% of, of the total transaction value was equity. Post 2007, actually post 2011, that number crept up significantly to nearly half, 50% of equity value or of enterprise value coming from equity, which means that post-financial crisis, there was a reset to contributing more equity to deals, which means debt has a slightly lower impact now than it will have in the financial crisis or that it had in the financial crisis, which is why we're probably seeing a slightly lower decline now of that 31% dip compared to 47%. Sorry to interrupt here, just a quick note to highlight our new sponsor, Grata. The private equity market is rapidly shifting to a data-driven, proprietary deal sourcing standard. Grata provides the window into over 7 million middle market private companies. Contact Grata so you can access the market first. Request a demo at www.grata.com. Now back to the podcast. Quite a change, quite a change. So um, how have private equity strategies changed, I suppose, to make the next recession different to what we had in 08, 09? Yeah, what we're seeing now is back in 07, 08, 09, the private equity world is all about financial engineering. And that was about how do we come into a company, structure a deal with debt, with mezzanine, with different covenants to make it worth our while in this LBO, no matter what happens, even if multiples stay constant, if the company doesn't grow. And that was the world of financial engineering. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing a slightly different shift in strategy. And yes, financial engineering still exists to some degree. But what we're seeing is the strategies of roll-ups or tuck-ins or in- industry consolidation, buy and build. They're called different things. Collectively, let's just call them add-ons. And this has been the strategy of choice for private equity and even large corporations and strategic buyers. And what this leads to is a lot of smaller deals happening. Typically, these deals have had lower leverage. So think about these deals being under $25 million of total enterprise value, um, but they can range. And when you look at the leverage in smaller deals, right now it's about 3 point, or actually year to date in 2022, it's about 3.4 turns on EBITDA for deals under 25 million in total enterprise value. Compared to your bigger deals, your 100 million plus deals, it's about 4.7 turns on EBITDA for debt. And that's a big difference. That basically tells us smaller deals, less debt, more aligned to the private equity strategy, and thus interest rates have a lower impact. But the big shift, even beyond smaller deals and add-ons, is the way private equity firms are approaching deal-making holistically. And what we've seen is a shift towards thematic 
or thesis-driven investing. And that's different than what would be swing investing or momentum investing. And granted, in private equity, there's there's never been a high-frequency trading like you see in public equities and with hedge funds. But you do have investors who only invest on growth and look at companies that are growing 10x and and, and that's actually shifted towards thesis driven. So what the private equity firms are doing is they're becoming more specialized, finding their expertise through operating partners and through their own industry knowledge and using this to differentiate themselves. And what we've seen is a total decline in the generalist investor. In fact, we looked at this in Grata, we looked at every single private equity firm in the US and we saw that only 5% are generalists compared to 40% being true thesis driven firms. What about the other 55%? Well, they're sector specialists. So thesis, theses can go across sectors. For example, you can say, I invest across the supply chain. That could be supply chain software, all the way to warehousing, transportation, and logistics. Yeah, it's really interesting. We're seeing a lot more of the newer firms being really, really niche. You know, we just done an interview recently with Red Arts Capital and they just, funny you mentioned supply chain, they just invest in supply chain. You know, firms like Blackford Capital are purely industrial manufacturing. It's not, we invest in everything at a lower or middle market. It's that specialism coming through. And we're seeing so many of these kind of operating type uh, partner appointments, uh, portfolio director, sometimes referred to as in, in Europe. And that's becoming a lot more common as people are becoming more specialists. So it's interesting how different that was from obviously pre the last recession. Yeah, it makes sense. So obviously with a recession brings extra stress on, on companies and, and businesses. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of owners that have just gone through it with COVID, probably rode that through. And then here we go again. What are your takes on the kind of opportunities therefore for private equity? Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things going on in the market, and this actually turns to the other side of the coin, which is the supply of deals. So we said demand is high. It's going to be high. Those lower middle market deals, they're still going to be interested buyers. When you look at supply, there are a couple of forces. One is that an economic downturn, and this has happened historically, consistently, hits small businesses the hardest. Even if you look back, you don't have to look back to 2007, just look at 2020. 200,000 small businesses closed because of COVID. So when an economic downturn hits, there's a need for financing. And debt becomes harder to get because banks have more rigid processes. They have these covenants. So usually companies turn to equity partners. Now, the other counteracting force there in the supply of deals is that there are lower valuations. And valuations in 2021 were so high, equity was cheap. It was really enticing for an owner to sell their business. Lower valuations means equity is more expensive. That means to trade your business for cash, you're paying more or you're getting less cash. So if owners don't have a need for liquidity, it makes sense for them to hold on to their business. So you have these two counteracting forces. But what I think is the trump card in all of this is that what's happening now is baby boomers are reaching retirement and they're actually seeking liquidity. So if you look at when boomers were born, it was around 1946 to 1965. That means on average, boomers are 60 to 75. That's prime retirement age. In fact, the life expectancy in the US is 79 years. So you have in the next two, four years, you're gonna have a huge turnover of boomer-owned businesses. And Actually, the Federal Reserve Flow of Funds report, when you add up the numbers, predicts it's about $14 trillion in small business valuations 
that are going to flow through the market. And while every deal is not necessarily going to go to private equity, some will get passed on to family members and others, that's still over 4x the amount of dry powder that's going to be in need of liquidity in the immediate short run. Excellent. So basically, we're looking at an increase of deal flow with a good timing, and I'm going to guess a reduced valuation on those businesses because of the recession. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be challenging because you never know how these how these forces play out. And you could say, maybe boomers wait and they hold on. But my prediction is just there's so many businesses out there that need funding, that are going to need turnover. It would be tough to see the amount of deals dip. And even if it does, not for long. And, and the other the huge force there, actually, I didn't even mentioned before, is that we talked about supply and demand in a very hands-off, invisible hand style approach, where what is supply, what is demand, what are the forces? A lot of this is private equity firms are creating their own supply. There's this whole concept now of proprietary deal flow, of firms going out there, finding their own deals, convincing founders and owners that it's time to take equity or go through a transaction. In fact, if you look at uh, the the US alone, there are about 125,000 investor-backed, private equity-owned investor-backed companies, but there are over 8 million bootstrapped companies that have not had access to outside capital. And and it seems like a huge divide there. It's orders of magnitude higher. Bain & Co. and Sutton Place Strategies report that the average private equity firm only sees 18% of deals that they should see if they're not taking a proactive, proprietary approach. So with that shift and firms forming BD teams and this active business development, they're starting to create their own deal flow. And you've also had more and more entrants. Before, private equity used to be 4,000 PE firms. Now there are 25,000 firms investing in private markets. So that includes family offices, hedge funds asset managers. So you have more firms looking more proactively for deals and boomers turning over their businesses. It speaks to me like there's going to be an increase in supply as well. I think the big question is how long does the market hold out? Okay, very interesting. So uh, positive outlook on a negative conversation there, Nevin. I appreciate, uh, certainly appreciate that. So what, what does the future kind of hold then as we look, as we really look forward for, for private equity? What's your take on things? Yeah, I mean, to wrap it up, it's pretty clear. It's not astonishing. Tech is taking a hit. Software tech are taking a valuation hit. It's going to cause shell, shell shock in the market because, quite frankly, tech makes up the majority of the S&P 500. You, you look at the components, it's Meta, it's Google, it's Amazon. They're taking a hit. They're pulling down the S&P. After shell shock, and we saw this in 2020, there's a moment of pause, probably a quarter, maybe two, when people go into their shell, wonder what's going to happen, get tighter with the dollar. It's natural. You look at personal portfolio, it goes down, you don't know what to do. My prediction is that this will happen, but there's going to be a quick bounce back. It's going to be a V-shaped bounce back. And I think what you're seeing is public markets have volatility. Venture investing becomes less attractive. Middle market is the next asset class to go to that's still attractive. There's security, there's consistency in these returns, which you're not finding in other parts of the market. And private market investors are growing their proprietary sourcing efforts and their BD teams. So we're going to see more of these deals, more of these boomer deals going up. And you know, a lot of PE deals are not pure play software. A lot of them are sleepier industries, industrials, professional services, business services. So my prediction, I think especially lower middle market, thesis-driven, proactive investors are going to come out of this downturn really strong. Overall, there, there's going to be a downturn, um, but I can't help but think that, and at least the data points to that lower middle market private equity is in for a pretty good few years. 
Yeah, I like the sound of that. I was uh, saying, Evan, I was uh, particularly interested in obviously this. We rely solely on the private equity industry. So I'm glad you've been more positive than, uh, you know, Ray Dalio, although it doesn't speak particularly on private equity, obviously. But, you know, he's a he's a macro thinker and therefore uh, is uh, predicting the world's end and the US dollar currency end, et cetera, for the uh, the change of the guard, as he puts it. But yeah, I think it's a really interesting perspective. And, you know, as businesses get cheaper, it brings opportunities. But also, as I'm telling the team here, we're only, we're only a couple of years from away from the next 10 year bull run so it's about seeing that uh, that positivity in that and that the world isn't going to end and we will continue on and there's a good opportunity for private equity firms to deploy obviously all this dry powder you're talking about and getting that into businesses and then obviously selling on the uh, the upward cycle as opposed to unfortunately if you're trying to sell in the next year or 12 months 18 months whenever this recession is going to hit that's when it's going to be uh, uh, going to be talked about even if we haven't already in this recession because we need two quarters of negative growth when we may be in a recession and we don't know it yet but I think there's definitely the stock market's definitely giving everybody a bit of a shock and then obviously extra factors of what's happening around the world at the moment with Russia and Ukraine and etc from there all driving up uh, that kind of stagflation as we uh, as we begin to see it so it's going to be an interesting uh, uh, an interesting two years i think of uh, of what's happening but really appreciate your kind of insight and your data driven approach and i think that's what's great about you guys is you're looking at data rather than just looking at you know what do we feel what do we think is going to happen it's based on the the data that you guys build and, and supply through grata thanks for having me alex yeah I, I echo what you say a lot of i believe a lot of recessions are self-perpetuating if we keep saying there's a recession, there's a recession, we're going to slow down, it's going to happen. So got to, got to look at the data, stay positive and, and stay proactive because the future is in our own hands. Absolutely agree. Completely agree. So, and as always, thank you very much for those joining us and listening in. Uh, hopefully not the, the negative conversation you uh, attribute to recession, but obviously a nice wake up call for us all to, uh, to put some consideration to and begin talking either with our portfolios or our colleagues in private equity. So should you ever need any support with private equity professionals or of course, portfolio executive hiring, please do reach out to me at Raw Selection. But till the next time, keep smashing it. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Private Equity Podcast on www.raw-selection.com.